with SBS Radio. On the phone, we are talking to Kent Morris, an acclaimed Bakinji artist, who I feel I don't need to introduce anymore. Kent, we have spoken to you many times on our show. Each time, I feel there's something new and exciting for you. Kent Morris wins awards, takes part in various projects and inspires others. And he's now joining us on the phone. Hello, Kent, and welcome. Last time we heard from you, and that's not so long time ago, you spoke about Unvanished, a power for new large artwork in collaboration with James Henry. It was a multi-sensory work, and it was on display at Federation Square until Sunday, 5th of June, and it was a part of National Reconciliation Week. Can you please tell us more about about this artwork? Yes, look, it was my first large three-dimensional public work, so it was pretty exciting. And it was a, a collaboration with a number of, of people, including yeah, the extraordinary James Henry, who made the 10-minute soundtrack, but also with Studio John Fish and Foria. It included... You know, a six-metre pool of water with a, a large sculptural form coming up through the middle, which was you know, extrapolated from my, my digital practice around reshaping the built environment and, and the way that, uh, you know, Indigenous knowledges need to be more thoroughly incorporated into our everyday lives. So it ran for a week during Reconciliation Week. People gathered around this large pool of water and, and, and kind of over the whole course of a day, the lighting and the sound really took people on a journey through the resilience and continuation of, of our knowledges embedded in country and, and the changes that have come, obviously, with, with colonisation and, and the reassertion of the importance of our, our long-time knowledge and histories and sharing those stories. Mm-hmm. And um, what were the reactions? Did people really, like, you know, stop and engage for a longer time? Or what, how did you feel about the reactions? Oh, it was fantastic to be in there and see people's reaction to it in terms of, Either just uh, you know reflecting around the large you know circular body of water, obviously a lot a lot of photographs and, and phones, and then of course the augmented reality filter where you could incorporate yourself and create your in a sense create your own version of the artwork and share it via digital media. That was really important. And I was in there yesterday, and there were, there were a couple of fellows doing market research, you know, asking people about <laughs> their, their thoughts about it and interactions. So people were very, very thoughtful and reflective. And I think it's something we need to do more often, uh, not just around reconciliation, week, is have these moments for people to be able to share in public spaces and engage with, you know, all year round, because our culture is embedded in this country, you know, mm. not just for a week here or there, but, but every day of the year. Hmm, for sure. And I know it's it's a bit hard to describe it for radio, but I, I know you were using this like panels of light as well. Can you describe what was there actually a little bit for us, please? Well, this was a great thing about collaborating with so many extraordinary creative people. So the the crew at Studio John Fish were able to design a lighting program that would interact with the 10-minute the soundscape, and it was a really fantastic process to be part of. So the sculpture not only spoke to you through its visual form and the ideas, but, of course, the lighting, which was incorporated within the sculptural form and around the pool of water, interacted with and, and combined with the music to take people on a real journey of, of pre-colonisation of the 65,000-plus years of, of, of uninterrupted knowledge and and... and 
connection to country. And then, of course, some of the impacts when Europeans first arrived and that the introduction of a, a different way of thinking, which over the 230 years has been quite not only destructive to our culture, but to the to the environment and to the uh, the way our knowledge sees the importance of the interconnection of all things and caring for country, looking after the environment. We now find ourselves in a very difficult situation. But under all of this is underpinned the, the, kind of like the ceremonial beat of, of, of our culture and the knowledge embedded in, in country. And so the, as you wind towards the end of the 10-minute soundscape and, and the lighting programming, it's, it comes to a point where there's a, re, a reshaping, a, a readdressing of the balance and, and First Nations knowledges, philosophies and lived histories are far more at the fore. Of course, it's got to be a combination between the the original knowledge here that is embedded and, you know, we're talking about the, the longest continuous culture in the world, so our knowledge is well honed. And the new way of thinking that came in with colonisation, how we really need to rethink that balance and address it in a way that First Nations knowledges are given far more respect and, and credence and, of course, our, our shared stories and the truth of this country is far more apparent, but in a way that brings people together. Mm. Is this something that also was the theme of, of your work that got you to the finals of this year's Telestra National Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island Art Award? Yes. Uh, look, that's a, <laughs> that was a nice surprise, but this is a, a new digital work, so a new moving image work. But again, it's reasserting all all of those those elements around those continuous connections and just reshaping the way we this, well reshaping the way this country goes about its business in relation to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander knowledges and, and, and histories and, and stories and, and how important those knowledges and stories are for this country to move forward in a meaningful way. So again, there's a lot of in this new work around the how that knowledge is transferred and the continuous transference of knowledge. And how important that is. Hmm. And I know we can't show the images yet, but or the artwork yet. But can you please tell us a little bit more? What can we expect? <laughs> Not sure how much I can give away. <laughs> um, but look, it's it's a brand new. It's a, it's obviously a new work that's not been seen before. It's my you know. It continues the the series of moving image works that again are extrapolated from my my photographic series and that idea of of movement over time, overlay this idea of, of, of knowledge cycling infinitely and the intertwining of, of stories and histories and how that transference, maintenance, you know, or for some instances that reconstruction of culture throughout the generations is ongoing and the the use of a visual language to express that long-time uh, continuity of Indigenous knowledge systems and how they're continually building and regenerating. Mm. It seems like, you know, whenever we talk to you, whenever we hear of you, there's always something new happening, some new artwork emerging. Where do you take inspiration from? <laughs> yeah, well, I hope there's something new. I'd hate to be doing the same old, same old. But uh, <laughs> yeah. look, the inspiration is is really around, but, you know, the, the everyday life and experiences, really, and looking and wanting to express stories and ideas and concepts through a First Nations lens and to ask people to, to think differently, to re reshape and reconstruct how they think. Because realistically, the the system of knowledge that is driving us at the moment is leading us to, to rack and ruin. And we already have an, an extraordinary knowledge system here. Uh, we've had it here 
since time in memoriam and it's, you know, it goes back tens of thousands of years and this is the system around caring for not only for country but for each other around sustainability linking the past present and the future and really thinking about how your actions in the present inform the future but of course you need to understand your past to do any of this and at this point in time this country doesn't understand its past so how are we going to move positively into the future around sustainability and, and well-being for for all and particularly around you know, just for once and for all, putting a stop, you know, to the discrimination and, and racial inequality and, you know, when are we as a country going to finally close the gap? When are we going to understand the true history of this country? So it's, it's an everyday experience for most First Nations peoples around what your inspiration is to express your culture. So is it that you first maybe have like the theme or some impulse and then that leads to an artwork? Yeah, look, it really comes from that, the ongoing dialogue that we have and that we've been having mm. <laughs> since, you know, since colonisation from generation to generation, how to respectfully understand and end the the discrimination, racism and, and disadvantage that was brought here. You know, and this is something that, that happens on, on a daily basis. So that's the inspiration, but for so many <clears throat> of our wonderful creatives and, <clears throat> and thinkers and, and community members. It's about trying to find that a positive outcome to work together. This is the whole thing. And even if you look at so many initiatives, including the Uluru Statement from the Heart, it really is about working together to create a better future for everybody. And to particularly put this, you know, this, this two and nearly two and a half centuries long divide and division and so much misunderstanding and, again, the discrimination, to put it to, to rest. We need to do better than this. When you talk about discrimination, you also have been working for over 11 years now with The Torch. You're the CEO of that project and you're supporting Indigenous men and women in Victorian prisons to learn more skills about their culture and country and provide support with their art skills development. Can you tell us more about this project, please? Right, exactly. And here's, here's one example of the, the over-representation of First Nations Australians in the criminal justice system that mm. just is ongoing. So, again, how, how do we address it? Our, our community wants to, to resolve and address these issues. And, and we have the, the desire and the skills and knowledge. We have the most investment to resolving this because it's our people, it's our family and friends and community. And for 3% of the general population, you know, we're making up 30% of the prison population and well over 10 times more likely to go to prison than non-Indigenous Australians. So, again, it's a huge area of inequality. It, it's a real shame. It's a stain on this country that needs to be resolved, but nothing is really happening to move it forward. We're still getting incarceration rates increasing. We're still having, you know, ongoing deaths in custody. So I was given the responsibility to build a program that might support Indigenous men and women in Victoria who are interacting with the criminal justice system and facing incarceration and all the challenges that come upon release from prison to reconnect to the community. Um, but again, here's the, here's the main point about this program, is that it wasn't built by me or the torch. I went and just talked to the men and women who the program would be for, who were in the prisons, And they they had all the ideas. They had all the ideas and, and exactly what would benefit them. And, of course, over decades and decades of, of advocacy and support and knowledge from the elders of our community, then that knowledge, again, I was very fortunate to have access to that and to combine these two areas of knowledge and lived experience, the elders in our community and the men and women in contact with the criminal justice system and how 
not only connection, understanding more about your connection to culture and stories and, and family histories, but how to be able to express that and then share it with the broader community on the outside via exhibitions and licensing and other avenues, and then also, importantly, to create some economic independence and stability by the sale of those artworks and connecting to the arts industry, which doesn't discriminate against our mob, actually finds that there's a lot to learn from our community in this area. So it, it, it ticks a lot of the boxes for breaking that high levels of recidivism and, and trying to build that sort of sense of cultural pride, self-confidence, self-esteem, economic and, you know, and financial stability to, to find those new pathways forward away from jail. Mm-hmm. It's been going on for a while. So do you have any feedback from the people looking back you know, at, at their destinies? Where did, where did it take them? Oh, look, absolutely. And there's a couple of fantastic evaluation documents on our website at thetorch.org.au, which I think people find incredibly fascinating around the experiences that men and women have. We have now, it's, not, it's no longer a one-man band. We have about 20, 21 staff now at The Torch, and a quarter of that staff are men and women who've come through the program, who've been through the in-prisons program, the post-release program, and now work at The Torch. We've got, we could talk for hours on end around changes that have happened for, for men and women around trajectories, around not returning to prison. We have an 11% return to prison rate for those that stay connected to the program for over 12 months after release, as opposed to the 65% recidivism or return to prison rate that we generally see in our community. Men and women finding avenues for often the first time to education, employment, just in an increase in well-being, in social and emotional well-being, in, in, you know, in their mental health and ability to find some healing, you know, through this process. Often the men and women say it's the best counselling they've ever had. <laughs> But you get to explore your, your story, your culture in a safe way. You get to express it and, and to paint it. You know, we know all the, all the good things that happen once you start to express that story through, through a cultural practice and how important that is to our culture. A central part of our culture is storytelling through cultural practices. And then to share it, to share it and connect back to the community. And then, of course, to be able to be part of an industry that provides you know, a positive connection, but also can provide that financial independence through the sale and licensing of the artworks. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope you're maybe planning to go also to other states, not just in Victoria. Well, look, it's been the plan for a while, but the, <laughs> the Victorian uh, part of this program, which is still the only component of the program, it just grows at an exponential rate. We have you know, 450 plus men and women connected to this program at any one time in the, you know, the 14 prison facilities and in communities all around Victoria. It's a, it's a huge amount of work. Last year, we sold and licensed over a million dollars of artworks for the men and women. Again, we've had to build capacity uh, in Victoria and it's not stopping. So <laughs> the challenge about going into state is something we, we, we're always looking at, but it's, uh, won't be happening in, happening right now. <laughs> Yeah, no, I understand, of course. Well, Kent, before I let you go today, thank you so much for talking to us. But can you tell us what you're currently working on? Are there any projects, any exhibitions? Oh, there's always something bubbling away. There's a beautiful <laughs> new wall sculpture out at Monash University for the new Information and Technology Centre. Something exciting for the Open House Museum, which will, is around NAIDOC week, um, a large public work on the old historic vaults in St Kilda on Yalakut Wheelam country where I live and 
one of the most exciting things I think is a, a specific Barkindji project. So seven Barkindji artists working together on country to put together a, a series of works that'll begin exhibiting next year. So yeah, always plenty on the go. <laughs> Well, we hope, hopefully we will hear about it when, when the time comes, which for Nidoka Week is pretty soon. So thank you so much, Kent, and good luck with all your projects. Thank you. really appreciate it. Want to hear more stories like this? Listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 